Well, good morning, everybody. It's a pleasure to be with you again. And uh, <clears throat> it's fitting, I think, to have this honoring of grace um, precede me because what I wanted to talk with you about today is the idea of honor. When I was, in, when I was growing up, I grew up in a congregational church, and in that church it was, in its own regard, it would be, while maybe or likely not entirely similar to um, the tenets of the Mennonite faith as, a, you know, as opposed to other denominations, but it would still have the similar feel um, in many ways, it, it, in certain amounts of the lit- liturgy on a Sunday morning and all that. And it was a wonderful church to grow up in, in Connecticut. Pastor and his family were terrific, and they were friends of ours. Their kids were older than myself and my brother, but the, the culture was very much the same. And, and it was a terrific place. It was well run. And it was growing. But I never in all my life, I heard all kinds of good doctrine. I got, I got a very solid biblical foundation between that church and the school that I grew up in. But in all of that information, in all of that time, effectively getting Bible study and Bible lessons about six days a week from first grade to my senior year, I never once heard a message or any teaching on the topic of honor. And it wasn't until a number just probably seven years ago now that I even began to hear, I knew the word, of course we all know the word, but I never heard that thing even talked about of how does this fit into the church. Yet the Bible says it numerous times. So what I want to talk about today is how honor works in a within the community of believers, within the community of a church. It is a gift from God, but it is a vital tool for us to use. Because what's going on today is you can survive and you can thrive in church settings and institutions can grow because in, instead of honor, we create structures. We have systems and we have hierarchies for all, how all this stuff is supposed to work. Jeff talked about when you come together, you organize yourself. And we as the church do that. And yet it becomes hierarchy to us. And it becomes heavy with committees depending on the setting and church culture that you're in. Or it becomes... Um, heavy with just so-and-so reports to so-and-so, and we become familiar with it, and to think anything different is completely foreign. And yet I would submit to you one thing, that those institutionally driven mindsets, the institutions of our society right now are crumbling in front of our eyes, and they're no longer working. They might work for our generation But they are not working primarily for the younger generation coming up after us. And so there is a give and take. The Bible doesn't throw the baby out with the bathwater, one versus the other. The Bible uses and talks about both of these things working together. And I'm going to lay that out for you today. And I want to give this one disclaimer. Number one, Jeff did not know what I was talking about 
and he also did not put me up to this. But I'm going to tell you right now that in a few minutes, I am going to exhort you with regard to honoring the leaders of the church, including Jeff and Josh. I'm going to exhort you about that. Not chastise you, but I hope to challenge you. And I'm going to lay out why, so that when you hear it, hopefully you don't just hear the finger wagging at you, but hopefully you understand, oh, there's value in this. And it's beyond just the structures of an institution that we have until now understood ourselves with. Because in order to move forward, structures are necessary. They help. Systems should help us grow, but they, we've tended to rely on them. And then, like Jesus said, you put heavy burdens on the people. He chastised the Pharisees for putting the institution before the people. Honor actually helps switch that where you recognize the person in front of you in these two ways that I'm going to lay out today. And those two ways are that honor functions vertically, sorry, honor functions horizontally first with respect to our our mutual value and self-worth to God. God paid the same price for all of us. We all have the same value to him. But honor also is a vertical thing in a sense because not everybody, while we have the same value to God, not everybody has the same uh, responsibility before him. And so there's the Bible talks about a both and, not an either or. And I want to lay that out so that dueness is given to both aspects of this. And it's not just saying... Hey, obey these people because they're lordship over you kind of a thing. But that is one of the things that has helped and been contributing to the crumbling, the mistrust of the institutions in our society, including the church, because we have, as Jesus said, at times we have lorded the rules over people instead of helping honor them and extend grace to them. And what's happening is the institutions have now begun to make the people serve the institution instead of the institution serving the welfare of the people. And if we can understand there's a dynamic paradigm shift coming and it's it's already happening where there's a move to not just, it's not going to disband institutions. But it is rejecting the burdensomeness of the institution for the sake of saying, you're not helping us, you're burdening us. And if we can adopt, if we can get our mind back around both and and the aspect of the value of the people and put people before the organization so the organization serves the people, all this stuff, the kingdom starts with relationship, not with a hierarchy. The kingdom of God, Jesus said it to himself, when you recognize the value of the person, oh, I, he said to the, to the lawyer, um, sorry, that's like, this is a thought coming straight out, and I'm like, how did I frame this thing? Um, impromptu, and then I got lost in my own thought. Jesus said to the guy who asked him, I've kept all of the laws of religion. And Jesus and and he said, but it's it's still the person values matters more. 
Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And when he recognized, the the lawyer recognized that Jesus said, you're not far from the kingdom. Meaning you're recognizing that the kingdom is built on relationships, not the structures first. Those structures should support what we're doing, not, not burden what we're doing. So let's start first, if you would. I want to give you quickly, you can turn to Romans 12.10. While you do that, and actually while I do that, I have a friend. I want to just frame what honor is. I have a very good friend, um, in, in addition to my very good friend, Jeff McLean. I have a very good friend by the name of Phil Urena. And Phil lives in, he's a pastor, and he lives in uh, Long Island. And Phil, in, 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 as a pastor, in attempting to, to um, help create a relationally driven church community, Phil defines honor like this. He says, honor is what love looks like in relationship. When it comes to people, I go, I can get with that. I think I know what he's saying. However, I tend to think, I don't want to say more deeply, but, but I tend to think addition to that is the Bible doesn't just talk about honoring a person. So it's not just relational. The Bible from front to back has multiple ways of expressing honor, and it says to honor things as well as people. You honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. But you also honor your father and mother. That's people. So how do, what is honor in addition to a relational aspect when it's not telling you how to relate to someone else, but we're also supposed to honor an object or a, some kind of thing? And so I have this little definition that I use to help me. Honor is regard for anything set apart or separate from ourselves. So we are individuals. We can honor one another. And we're going to talk about that in just one moment. But you also then can honor the fact that this, it is to regard something. And when you regard it, when you brush up against the boundary of the difference between yourself and it or them, you don't harm that other person or that thing. You don't disregard it. You regard it and you do it no harm. Because in one manner or another, that thing or that person is, God has set it apart because it carries or reflects the image of God or a nature of God. So you honor the Sabbath. That is God setting it apart to reflect something of himself. Don't misuse it. Don't disregard it. Don't do another person harm because they are the boundary between you and them is our body, our skin. You don't harm the image of God that they carry. You honor them. In a, in a, in a relationally driven culture, you can honor the person for who God wants them to be. But in an institutionally minded culture, you demand the things of the person according to the job description. So honor is... is Regard for anything set apart or separate from ourselves. This is also not a suggestion. 
The, in the Bible, this is a command. It's not, hey, it'd be a good idea to honor the Sabbath. It's a command. Honor the Sabbath. It's also a command in Romans 12, 10. Starting in verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo, outdo one another in showing honor. That's a command. There's no, it's not implied. It's not suggested. It's a command to love. And love, it is, love is an expression of honor. So we honor one another. And in this I see that when it says bi-directional, it's, there's no title here. It's not because we're not addressing titles and hierarchies of anything. We're, we're recognizing we are people, we are human beings, we are made in the image of God, and we honor one another because simply because of our humanness. It's the, it's the ultimate of creation. And we each carry humanness, the likeness of God. And so in that, we acknowledge our individuality. We acknowledge the uniqueness of each person, of each other. And in it, we seek to recognize the giftings, the strengths, the beauty, and the blessing of each other. We're going to get what we look at in a community that's driven relationally. If we see all the bad stuff of a person, what they do poorly, they talk too long, and the football game is on, or i got to get somewhere, and we don't do that here. They talked too long, or they were boring, or the worship wasn't that great because of whatever. If we look at that, we're going to get that. If we look at hey, they have an opportunity, they have an undeveloped skill here, what I see in them. How can I help them grow? That's honoring, and honor makes space for other people to grow into what God wants them to be. We honor each other. And when we honor each other and when we invest in each other because we're honoring one another, we are also building relational equity. And equity is exactly like a bank account. It will give dividends. And it's the thing that relationships are built on. It's why the kingdom can expand and expand and expand. Because the kingdom is actually built on relationships. God himself is in relationship between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit unto himself. That's the baseline. This whole thing starts with relationship. And yet, somewhere along the lines, we as human beings accepted something different. It's ideological to think that we can do this honor by relationship. It's much messier at times. But I do believe that it is heaven's way. Now, honor is also called for in the Bible in forms of institutions, what I'll call them. We have institutions in, the, in our society. We have all kinds of establishments from 
state and local government to federal government. We have the family as an institution. We have marriage as an institution. We have the church as an institution. We have educational systems. We have, edu- we have um, colleges and universities as, what do you call them? We call them institutions. Institutions of higher education. And on and on. They're all over the place. You know, and, you know, all around us, those institutions are there. Now, the thing is this. Romans 13, 1 to 7. Again, it's actually not a suggestion. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist can be, have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct. Meaning, those that have responsibility and jobs and titles where they can impose a restriction on us, they're not, we shouldn't be afraid of them if we're not doing anything wrong. My wife used to get nervous when we would drive past a police officer who was driving the other way with a 50-yard median of grass up a hill on the other side of us. And she'd be, are they going to pull us over? You know, and I'm, like, I'm thinking, why are you afraid, number one? And I'm not even speeding, number two. I don't mean to speak ill or imply something ill about my wife. I'm just as a story, like, they're not a terror if you're not doing anything wrong. And I don't mean to just talk about police, and I'm not here to talk about Blue Lives Matter. Just as an example. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Meaning, do you want to not fear them? Then do what's right. Do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he or she is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. They're only going to impose this on us on, for cause, not for lack of cause. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Now he's talking about the hierarchies. He's talking about the institutions, the people that lead them. You know, the local mayor, the the town supervisor, the, the superintendent of the school, the teacher in your classroom, at whatever level you're at, and so on. Pay to all what is owed them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. If you're in a debt, pay your debt. If you have a bill, pay your bill. Respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. Notice that respect and honor are not the same thing. Otherwise, he wouldn't have differentiated it. But pay honor to the one whom honor is owed. Pay respect to the one whom, the, who deserves respect. You may not like the president in the office. You respect the person in the office because of the office they hold. Not because you agree or disagree on political viewpoints. And in so doing, what we do is we keep, we maintain peace and order in our societies and in our communities by honoring. Now, why do we honor them? Because according to the institution, because according to that hierarchy, 
The people in the positions have a responsibility that we do not have when we're not in that responsibility. And so honor flows horizontally based on value to God, but it is supposed to flow vertically, as I call it. It's the best description I've got. And I recognize that we these days can be a bit more emotionally sensitive to this kind of description. But it flows vertically based on the responsibility that someone has that we don't have. I, as the father in my house, I have a responsibility that my kids don't have yet. And so the Bible instructs them, honor your mother and father. But what if I just sit there and lord it over my kids? You know you're supposed to honor me. What are they going to do? They're going to reject it. My dad and my stepmom did this to us. And it was, I mean, it caused great division in our house when I was a late teenager. Because I, they might have been wrong, but on the same side, as the kid, I didn't understand honor. And I sat there and said, oh, honor is earned. Baloney, honor is not earned. We give it based on the, the role that that person has. God's ordained this so that things can function effectively and in a healthy way. So that a family can walk in peace together. So that a church or a school doesn't have school shootings. We honor one another. It's there for the peace of the community to serve the people. If I serve my kids, do you think they're going to honor me? Oh, yes. I won't have to ask for it. They'll give it because I've gained relational equity. I've got a bank account with them if I do. And the same thing. The reason that this is crumbling and there's a great mistrust to the institutions of our society is because the institutions have stopped serving the people. And even in the church, I would submit to you that for decades, we have held the rules in front of the people and held people in the burden of our rules as a community instead of extending grace and trying to help people in times of hardship where they've been at and where they blew it. Instead, we've, I hear stories of how this has gone on. People may have been brought to the front and chastised in front of, embarrassed in front of everybody for a sin they've committed. And we held the rules up instead of helping honor and serve and cover one another's sin with love. Covering sin doesn't need to mean to excuse it. It doesn't, you don't have to excuse sin, but you care for their dignity. And when we've robbed them, we become unsafe places. And all of a sudden now there's a long-standing and a, having grown over decades an antagonistic relationship between people and the leaders in any institution. Kids don't trust parents. Kids don't have to respect their teachers because rules aren't upheld. People don't, they, they challenge their pastors and their leaders because they're not doing what the job description says 
That person is being who they are, but we don't think they're carrying out the job description or meeting our need well enough. I was, I, years ago, I was at a church where my close friend in high school just got brought into pastor, one of the main churches where we grew up. And I went there Thanksgiving weekend. And after the service, he did a great job talking about Advent, the first weekend of Advent and all this stuff. He did a phenomenal job. And all of a sudden, he um, we're getting ready to go out afterward. He's doing his pastor thing. I was off for the weekend. I didn't have to do any of that. And I just got to kind of sit back and watch and greet my other friends. And he's doing his pastor thing, greeting all the people as a good person would and all that. And his wife comes up and says, somebody just came and told me that. Now, he had pleated pants, right? He had pleated pants on. Someone came up and commented to his wife, well, just so you know, he had four wrinkles in his slacks this morning. I won't tell you what he said, but I can imply to you what he wanted to say. We nitpick people instead of... And, and we, when, when we are institutionally minded... The tendency is to look at the leader and hold them according to the job description we hired them on. That's a career, not a calling. That's career-mindedness in the church and not a calling of God. And we then watch and we hold the person up to a job description by itself. And we, we're not trying to help them. Are we trying to help them fulfill it or are we trying to help them? Are we bringing them correction? Are we criticizing or are we trying to help them fulfill it? I would ask instead of, you know, like, which one do we do? Which one do we want to do in our churches, in our communities? The higher calling of God is to love one another. And so I would just ask you in, in some closing, there are a number of verses I've had with this. Well, real quick, I'll just identify it. King David, before he was king, he honored Saul. When he had the chance to kill Saul, he honored him. He only cut a piece of his cloak off. And he, but he would do no harm to the one that God anointed. He didn't criticize him. He didn't, he didn't create an uprising against him. He didn't undermine him like Absalom did to David. He didn't do any of that. Because he was God's chosen one for the kingdom. So, first of all, in closing, honor sees the way that God sees. It sees the grace of God on someone's life, what they're built for. It sees that way. And it tries to make space for the gifts and callings of God on a person. If it's to each other then does the person have gifts of administration? Are, they able, are we making space for them to serve the community? And are we cheering them on in it? Are they a gifted musician? Do we make space for them to join us? Or are they held back because we're afraid they'll take our spot? When it comes to leaders of the church, do we see, and I would ask you this, this is where I told you, I'm going to exhort you, do you see the gifting and abilities that God has uniquely given to Jeff for God's purposes in Jeff's life? Or do you hold something up against him that are more for your purposes 
for Jeff in your life. Honor sees the gifting on the person and celebrates it and then covers the sin. And by sin, in this case, I mean covers the way that we feel they fall short by either coming alongside and saying, my gifts can complement your weaknesses. How about we try that? Instead of, you know, you didn't iron your shirts right. Or I don't like how they do this. Or I don't like how they do that. Honor serves. A leader is supposed to serve. And a follower serves the leader by not expecting them to be what they are not. If our leader, if Jeff is a prophetic person, would you be hurting him or helping him to expect him to be more pastoral? If God's wired him to be, say, prophetic, are you hurting him or helping him if we expect him to be just what the job description of a, path, of a pastor is? But it works the same way in the opposite. Does a leader help Do they step outside of their giftings and still function in the things that the other, that the community that they are called to give their life away for and to, to serve people even outside of their giftings and strengths, but to the best of their ability, not to the best of our expectation. Honor is vital in a relationally driven community. If it focuses on the rules and the regulations, we end up placing a burden on someone and we cause them to serve a system. But if a community is to be first and foremost relational, then honor is a necessity for a relationally healthy community. 